Hello, folks. Welcome to My First Business. I'm Naim Pervez, and this podcast is for entrepreneurs, young or old, who are looking to improve the way that they look after their business. Each episode is designed to be like a conversation with a mentor that you never had, and you'll find inspiration, guiding principles, and possibly some solutions to your current business problems. We talk about the lows, like wanting to shut it all down, and we talk about the highs, like starting your second or your third or your fourth successful business, and also everything in between. For this episode, I had Roma Vora of Arania Farm. So if you're looking for a dose of reality in this serious world of entrepreneurship, then look no further than Roma. As a successful business owner, she will tell you that not every entrepreneur has a daily meditation practice or reads one book a month, but what they do all have in common is the ability to learn from their failures and keep moving forward. In this episode, Roma and I talked about her self-awareness. She shares her thoughts and insights with refreshing honesty. She talked about the challenges of being in a family business. We discussed how she overcame the struggles of finding her relevance, being the jack of all trades and not knowing where she stood. We talked about taking a break uh, to gain perspective. So she actually left her business to go get a job and returned back to the business six months later with ultimate clarity on what she needed to focus on. We talked about networking and relationship building, uh, about balancing work and motherhood. She wants, she's a proud working mom and she wants her kids to remember how hard she worked. We talked about innovation and business development. She had some really interesting takes on staying ahead of the curve and growing her business. We talked about being present in the moment. Uh, Roma intuitively knows the best things to focus on each and every day. Uh, we talked about her ability to handle feedback and how she's learned to control her ego over the years. We talked about the joy of growing a farm business. She shares her love for growing that little corner of her farm business, which is sure to inspire anyone with a green thumb. She's a breath of fresh air. I almost want to bring Roma back every month for an episode. It is absolutely intoxicating being around her bubbly energy. So tune in for some real talk on entrepreneurship. Without much further ado, here's Roma Vora on the EO series of the My First Business podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Entrepreneurs Organization. Now, before I tell you what they do, first, let me tell you the numbers behind Entrepreneurs Organization, or EO for short. So they started in 1987. They've currently got 17,000 influential business owners as their members, spread across 213 chapters in 60-plus countries worldwide. They've been in the UAE since 1997 and have 119 members here with a median member sales of roughly $4 million. And altogether, the total number of people employed by their members is over 23,000. And they've got members from all sorts of industries, including technology, healthcare, oil and gas, real estate, hospitality, jewelry, communications, logistics, travel. I could really go on. Mind blown yet? Now, here's what EO is actually all about. Here's what you get for being a member of EO, or here's what they do for you. EO in UAE provides an effective platform for networking, education, and support for business owners. The entrepreneurial journey can be lonely, and I can attest to that. And with an economy that changes on a dime, it can be hard to know what your next move should be. And that's where EO comes in with their support. One of the key benefits of membership is access to a robust calendar of events, including workshops, social events, and learning opportunities. So you get a ton of networking opportunities, as well as a chance to learn from experts in your own field. EO also offers a mentorship program, so they pair you up with experienced business leaders who can offer guidance and support as you grow your own business. 
So for me, I've personally or vicariously benefited a lot from being in the EO network through their accelerator program, of which my partner is a part of. And if you are a business owner tired of taking on your challenges all alone and are looking for unique networking opportunities, along with structured support through accountability groups and mentors, well, you can either start a podcast like I did, or if you don't want to do that, I highly encourage you to apply to EO. I'll leave a link for you in the show notes. And if you're not fully convinced yet, I'll be bringing on business owners on this podcast that are currently members of EO, including today's guest, so you can get a sneak peek of what you're getting. Roma, welcome to the show. Thank you. I want to start off by giving you some choices, and I'm going to take you on a little little journey. Um, and you're going to decide where this journey ends, so it's going to be fun. Okay. Let's say, for an undisclosed reason, you have to leave Dubai. Uh-huh. You're forced to leave. You can't argue the decision. There's nothing you can do about it. And the catch is, you have to pick one of the three cities you can go to and no more. And once you pick a city, okay, you can go to the other two. Okay, got it. So behind door number one, city number one, has terrible food, listening to Afro or Reggae's band, but you can have and you can be in a kitty party. Let's call this kitty land. <laughs> city number two, behind door number two, Afro and Reggae are played everywhere all the time. Yeah. But kitty parties are banned and the food is just terrible and it's plain. City number three. Kitty parties are banned, Afro and reggae music is banned, but man, do they have the best food in the world and they have new restaurants opening up every single day. Where? What would you This pick? is a really hard question. I definitely don't need kitty parties, but... Are you sure? I mean, I love my friends, but if it's between food and music, I gotta say food. Oh, yeah? So you're yeah. food land. Yep, food land. That's, that's where I belong. But let's get into some business stuff. Because this is somewhat a business podcast. Let's do it. Um, I wanted to ask you your opinion on this because I think you have a unique perspective. We were talking a bit before we started recording and I asked you to pause because I wanted to hear mm-hmm. a bit more about it. So um, I'll ramble on the question, give you time to think. But what qualities do you think differentiate the businesses in EO versus EOA and Barring, obviously, the time spent in business or the revenue numbers, except those. Um, and I say this because you're the EOA chair, the mm-hmm. accelerator chair, and you get to see a bit of both. And, you know, these qualities could be the founder, could be the business itself, like the business model, the uh, the process, the, the addressable market, the product itself. Basically, what I'm trying to see is like, as an EOA member, what levels do these businesses have to cross to get to the EO? Um, and maybe for the sake of the audience, you can explain a bit about what EO and EO really is and what the differences are. And then tell me what you think um, EOA people are, or where the gap is between them. Sure. Um, so the uh, apart from the revenue, I think it's the learning. Um, it's a bit different in EO Accelerator versus EO. Um, Do you want to briefly describe EO and EOA for those who may not know about Sure. It? So EO Accelerator is a program that is run by EO and EO members. So EO members volunteer their time to put together a board and as part of the EO board and our kind of the money that we raise, we run this EO accelerator chapter within our chapter. Um, It's for businesses that have a revenue 
as you know, from 250 to $1 million. And once they cross it, they have the opportunity to join EO. So it's almost a very smart idea. You're almost creating EO members as part of the program. It's, like it's exactly what it is. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> brilliant entrepreneurial idea. Um, so that's that's kind of the main distinction. And in terms of learning, you have EO where the major kind of attraction is, is your forum. Um, you are placed in a forum as a member with seven to eight, usually other members. You're meant to meet once a month and you have a very specific update that you need to give. And each person gives every time you meet. And those meetings are like four hours long. Um, so it's it's got a specific format. You get trained in it. Um, so EO, YPO, they all kind of follow this forum format. Um, you give an update based on your personal life, your family and your business. And then there are topics that you can deep dive on as a group um, that is very personal or very business uh, oriented. But the one key thing is that nobody is allowed to speak if they haven't had that experience. So the major thing there is that like, you know, if I'm going through a divorce and you're not divorced, you can't really give me advice. Mm -hmm. Right. And I don't have kids. It, yeah. Well, well parenting. exactly. Well, no. But the only thing you can you can give an experience share that mm -hmm. doesn't stop you. But for example, your experience share could be something like, well, I. I haven't gone through a divorce, but I have been through situations where I had very tense parents or my parents were thinking of a divorce. And this is how it made me feel mm -hmm. as a child. Um, and if you have children, that's something to think about. This is, how I, this is my only experience with it. So you have an opportunity to be very open and experience share. There's a very specific method of, of, of talking to people in that group setting where you're not giving advice. You're just sharing an experience. Just and what they learn from it is up to them. Yeah. And what they take from it is up to them. So they're listening to eight experiences and then they get to make their own decision. And that's the beauty of forum. No one should be telling you what to do. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they're in your forum for, for a long time. You end up just wanting them to tell you, right? Just like, just tell me what the fuck to do. But I think that it's so beneficial when they themselves, your very good friends, are able to say, no, I cannot. I'm just going to give you this experience and you are the only person, you're the master of your destiny. So that's, it, it, it touches so many strings, but it's very personal. I think EO is all about personal journey, personal growth as a person. And of course that affects your business, right? Yeah. As an entrepreneur. Um, in Accelerator, I think when you're in that hustle phase of your business, um, you're really focused on hitting targets. Um, in your group, you, you know, we don't say don't talk about personal, but usually people don't talk about personal, but some groups may talk about their personal. Um, and of course it affects it. It really depends on your coach, um, how they want to lead that group, you know? Um, so it's focused on your business goals and getting you there and getting you, keeping you sane and keeping you accountable. Yeah. And in terms of learning, you have those four learning days in Accelerator. So one each quarter, which kind of keeps you further accountable versus in EO, the learning is so spread out. There's a lot more social. The learning is just you're lis listening to cool people speak or you have one kind of learning event where you invite HBS to do like a two-day course or a speaker mm -hmm. to do a two-day course. Yeah. So it's not as right. accelerator just kind of pulls you in. Yeah, I figured like even most, any one-on-one -on -one course on any subject has to be super structured and, you know, pretty much the, the basics of all um, skills such as even running a business are similar throughout the board. Mm -hmm. But when you get into advanced territory, so let's say we run ads, to learn how to do ads one-on-one, -on -one, easy, easy to teach, easy to learn. 
But doing it in advance, you got to figure that out on your own. Mm-hmm. There are no courses for that. There's no, there's just communities for that. Yeah. And it's the same, I'm guessing, with business as well. Like you enter at the EOA level, you get your basics down, things that can be taught easily and things that can be learned easily. Once you yeah. get to that level of where the basics are not an issue, you can do them in your sleep and you have good systems and everything. It's about expanding to like, what's the flavor of the month or oh, corporate taxes coming in? Okay, how do we deal mm. with this now? Yeah. And stuff like that. How I actually see it is, I see everything from a personal point of view. Mm-hmm. I always, I see Accelerator as something that where you don't have a, an option. There's not enough time for you to focus on yourself. You have to focus on your business because that's your baby. You're putting your heart and soul in it. And there's only so much time each day, right? And it's not a nine to five. And it's not. And it's all the time. It's forever. And I think that that kind of eclipse of, of joining EO is is when you realize that, fuck, I'm nobody if I don't know my self-worth, if I'm not self-aware. Mm. And it's almost like, like Accelerator is this like very hardcore learning. Yeah. And then once you kind of flip in EO, it's like a mirror to your face. Those people are like making you work in this deep, deep way where you're becoming super self-aware. Um, and it's like harder work than just building your business actually. Yeah. Um, looking in the mirror and having seven, eight people tell you that like, nah, man, this is another way to do it is yeah. is tough. It's it's tough sometimes. Yeah. Um, no, thank, thanks for that perspective. We're going to sprinkle um, stuff about you throughout the conversation. Sure. It comes out because I'm just generally curious and <clears throat> um, and you have a wealth of knowledge. But I do want to talk about um, just changing the topic. Have you seen the movie Memento, by the way? You know... <laughs> Just my brain just operates not in a chronological order. Okay. Like it goes and jumps from future to past. Perfect. It's my questions reflect yeah. that. Right. Okay. <laughs> I want to talk about uh, U-turns. So uh, you emailed me today uh, a little a little um, little tidbit that I call the U-turns. So context: Alina and I um, once in a while we go on LinkedIn. We start looking at job postings. Uh-huh. And we look at the salaries and look at the benefits, and we're like. Man, mm-hmm. that would be nice. I'm yep. like, 40K a month? When was the last time I made that in my own business, right? Like, yeah. It's not been happening, especially when numbers are down or morale is just low. It's just so tempting. It's like we're cheating on our business. But, you know, typically we, we close it down and put our heads down. And as you said, you know, mm-hmm. just grind. But uh, I think uh, you went through that journey. I did. Tell me. I did. Tell me what happened. So, I mean, I... I I worked at EY right after college. Actually, I worked at Ferragamo and sold shoes for like four months until my dad was like, take any job. You went to college. Literally, I'm a brown girl working, selling shoes. He was like, take any job, anything. He's like, just work in an office building. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, it was like the day Lehman Brothers crashed. I got a call. I'd gone to eight interviews at Ernst I was going mad. I was like, just no jobs out there, at least for me at that time. And um, the the lady that called me, my first boss, she taught me so much. Her name's Megan Mills. And she, uh, she I'll never forget, she was like, listen, um, we have a hiring freeze that's starting in like an hour. And this would have been your salary, but this is going to be your salary. And it was like 50% cut because they knew this was coming. It was like, you know, everyone's like, she was like, can I still hire you? Like, I have no time to negotiate. And I was like, all right, done. I was like, let's do it. Like, do you have a desk and a chair? Yeah. I was like, let's do it. Um, so after like four and a half years, from there, I moved to um, consulting within EI, EY, kind of found my way into change management consulting, which is what I studied. 
And from there, um, while I was working on kind of these large-scale ERP projects, I visited India, and my dad has a quite a large uh, garment manufacturing business. We had about, at that time, eight factories in two different cities. And we were one of the oldest manufacturing people in Chennai in South India. So um, it was kind of his legacy. And he was trying to restart ERP. He was one of the first people to implement ERP in garments and textiles in, across India. And no one was using it. And I had come and I was just like visiting family and a friend and my cousin, actually. It's a very dear friend as well. She was working with my dad for like four months before that. Um, and she kind of convinced me, you know, she said, like, listen, I've done the whole consulting thing. I worked, she was very high up at Deloitte. And she was like, these last three months working with your dad and in this business has fulfilled me beyond words. And I can see your future. You're going to have mine in, in the consulting world. And you can always go back to that. There's nothing stopping you from going back to that. In fact, you'll go back with a higher pay at a, a kind of a different scale. Um, but Good this, sales pitch. Yeah, and she she got me, yeah. um, and I was like, yeah, maybe you're right. You know, maybe you you have a point. So within, I'd worked at EY like four and a half years at that point, and within two weeks, I came back to New York. I I spoke to a few partners, and they were all they all said the same thing. They're like, are you effing kidding me? They're like, if I had a dad that had a business like that, I would go in a heartbeat. I would give the shit up. I would go, I would figure out, even if you end up closing, it was the worst that could happen, right? Like, go and have that learning. You'll only come back a better person, a better uh, employee. Mm. Um, and I was like, yeah, you're right. They all kind of like said, do it. So I went and uh, no one could have prepared me. They just kind of threw me in the deep end. My dad was, I mean, if you want to, I never expected you to go back to India. That's why we moved to America. So it was. he was also like kind of taken aback. Um and he, he didn't know how to kind of prepare me. So he did what any good parent would do, which is throw you in the deep end, you know, and then be like, swim. Figure it out. Yep. And uh, that was fun. So I did that. And that was so emotionally taxing, to be honest with you. I have, I was thinking about all the learnings and I have a whole list if you want to discuss it. But, um, but yeah, I think that was a really taxing kind of emotionally, like, distraught and riled up. I was just like 25 to 30 at that time. Those five years were so just like, um, I learned a lot um, being in a family business. Uh, I learned, a, but I didn't have chance to kind of reflect and really like step back and see who am I. Um, then, you know, I got married, we moved here and here I joined my husband's family business. Well, it wasn't a family business so much as me, him and my mother-in-law with the support of my father-in-law started this farm. Um, and again, it was, it was great to be with family because no one can understand you, uh, you know, having kids better than your own family. Mm. Right. So the four years I spent working with Aranya Farms was incredible because I could work at any time. I would be working my pumping. I'd be sending emails at 2 a.m., but then I'd be like sleeping to like 2 p.m., you know? So it would be like all these crazy hours and, and everybody kind of knew. We also lived together. I was, we just moved out um, from my in-laws last October. And it's completely self-reflected. We had so much fun living with them um, in the sense that my kids kind of grew up around them. I had so much help, you know, like moving out was like I was the saddest because I didn't have that support system. But it's part of life, you know, we had to kind of make this break. Um, so working with them, 
working with them, living with them, being in the family business. Again, a very emotional experience. There's no like, there's no uh, respite, you know? So for me, it was like, I was doing what you were doing. I was looking yeah. on LinkedIn and I was like, man, I really want to learn something new. And here I can only do, I have to do everything. I can't really good at, get good at one thing. So let me find a job where I kind of like focus and get really good at one thing and be in an industry where that I'm still like evolving, learning, you know. And I really wanted to get involved in tech somehow. It always like lured me, but I have nothing to do with tech. I'm, I mean, I'm the last person to know how to do things on Google or Apple, to be honest with you. So um, I got this job and it was amazing. It was really good. I'm still involved with them. Actually, after the six months probation, I knew it wasn't working out. I think my boss also knew it wasn't working out only because I was too used to having my own kind of timeline and ways of work. Flexibility. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I really missed that. I really missed that flexibility. Yeah, I think I think we all trade freedom, right? Like that's the main thing I remember from it's not really about the money as much as it is about the freedom. Yeah. The money is a good like, you know, as as you know, it takes a while to make good money if you're starting out from scratch. Yeah. But that freedom has uh, I've I've never made less money in my life than in my business. Right? Like I've always made more money working for someone yeah. else. Yeah. Um, I make peanuts, but the fact that I can take a nap whenever I want to. Um, or have that understanding with somebody like, hey, you know, I have this chronic thing that, you know, one day in a month, like I will be unavailable. Yeah. And, you know, I just have to report to my mm -hmm. wife. <laughs> and she yeah. understands it because she sees the pain yeah. right next to me. Right. And same for her too. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, you know, once or a couple of days every month, she gets to be a bit lower and lower energy. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. That's fine as well. And you don't. That was, you, you know, that. I. That's exactly it. I actually. I went for the money. Yeah. I was like, you know, I'm so sick of having to rely on a business, on family. And I just wanted my own income. And yeah. I really missed it. And you saw people kind of, whether it's your friends in, in America or wherever, that are like going through these hardcore jobs and these lives that they're living, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they have their own kind of problems. They have no family to help them raise their kids and they're doing everything on their own and it's yeah. great. But I just couldn't, I wanted to make the money and also I wanted to kind of step away for a few hours of the day and see who I am without my family mm -hmm. because it was so much. It was like, you know, even in the last four years, having two kids, raising two kids, it's a lot. Um, it's a lot on just everything. And I wanted to, I wanted to use my brain in a different way. I did, was you know, there, was there a specific trigger or were these thoughts kind of like accumulating over time for you? But was there a point where you made that decision that, you know what? Now I've got to stop thinking about it and actually... Yeah, I think it was after my son turned... My second son, he turned one. Yeah. And I was like, man, I am so good at making food plans and talking about what sort of diaper rash this is, but I have no idea what's going on in the world. Like, and unless I... I know, I know myself. I'm a black hole kind of person. I knew I had to kind of extricate myself mm -hmm. from the situation. Otherwise, it's so easy to be around the same people and talk about the same things. And I just, I'm not that person that can sit and read the news. I just need to be doing something different. Mm -hmm. So I realized that. And honestly, I went for the money. Mm -hmm. And um, I realized very quickly that what, what I'd given up. And people always say, you know, don't chase money. You know, chase your passion and money will come. Oh, my God. Let me tell you how true that is. If there is one thing that I learned in the last six months. I thought months, you were going to challenge that. No. Okay. 100%. All that okay. BS is true. 
You know, you hear people say that. I'm like, Shh, keep quiet, auntie. Move on. You know, I'm like, whatever, uncle. You know, they're always like, beta, you know, do this. Like, you know, follow your dreams. It's uh, follow your passion. I'm like, no. Nah. Yeah. Like, it's nice having money. Actually you know? works. Yeah. Yeah. But then they're right. They're right. And I th- I'm so glad I took that chance and, and did it at 36 and didn't wait till, I don't know, 76 yeah. to have to, you know, tell my kids or grandkids that. Um, but yeah, I, I realized that. And even when about four months into the job, we realized that role was not for me. Mm. Even when my role changed and my salary changed, I realized, again, the new role was so much better fitted for me. It was like a chest on my, it was like a foot on my chest, um, that job for the first four months. And then once my role changed, it almost, even though I was making less money, I felt like, wow, I'm actually doing what I like. And then it gave me the chance to really learn and go deeper into, you know, when you're in your family business, Mm -hmm. any family business, sometimes maybe if you're, you know, always been an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. you do a little bit of everything. You don't really get to go deep. Yeah. I always have had someone to help me figure out my accounting, figure out my finance, figuring out, you know, um, my kind of if, you know. HR or admin and like to go really deep into something like uh, a feasibility or a proposal and like have to do everything yourself was an incredible experience. But it was also like so it drove my anxiety through the roof. Yeah. Um, and but it's it, rewarding because it's it's also a matter of relevance, right? Like when you are working in a family yeah. loose kind of environment, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but you're always almost seeking validation, which you don't never get because you've touched a bunch of things, but you don't own shit. You don't like, yeah. you don't say like, I did that A to Z. It couldn't yeah. have happened without me. Yeah. We're all just kind of helping each other out. It's not like we're project managers. Like you do this, I do that. It's just like things happen and I wasn't able to own it. And when I remember my jobs, which is why I started looking, I'm like, at least I meant something yeah. fully into one thing versus currently I'm wearing a bunch of hats and I could potentially drop all of them um, at the same time, if I'm juggling too much or if I do well, it's just not noticed because I was a part of the whole thing. Right. Yeah. Is that would that be fair to say? It? Yeah. And, and let me let me summarize it in one word. The one thing I did realize was is like ego. Right. Oh, yeah. So when you are working for yourself um, and also in a family business, when there's when you work for yourself and you're able to being a, a big business that I was almost like gifted with, whether it's my dad business especially, there's no humility in that. You know, you go on the factory floor, everybody knows that Madam's here, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody's doing, there's, it's like everybody's suited and, you know, like Close a little straight. Here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, no humility. But, yeah. and it was so amazing and so powerful. And I got that so young, Yeah, you know, that it definitely got to my head. Mm-hmm. Definitely got to my head. And I think exiting that business um, from my father and joining this new family business, I almost, it took a turn. Now I realize, okay, I have to work a bit differently. People here work differently. People, whether it's my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, everyone works differently, but it's the same thing. It it, it started to become, well, I do so much, but where's my recognition? Mm -hmm. Um, But then again, I had to like shove that down and be like, it's the ego talking and it's the ego. Funnily, as you're as you're saying this to me, one of the one feedback that I did get um, for my coworker, even even my recent, you know, job stint, I could say. And even in in, in the the founder told me um, when I asked, can I move into an advisory role or like, you know, do contracting work? One of the things they both told me, they were like, we've never met anybody who takes feedback as well as you do. 
And we've never seen anybody like make a change so quickly in their behavior and their attitude as fast as you do. And for me, it's clicked. That's six months away from my business. Mm -hmm. And that experience made me so self-aware of everything I've learned being in business with myself and for my family. Um, that plane that like you have with your ego every day. Yeah. When some, I couldn't believe that someone was finally telling me that like, wow, you have no ego. Yeah. You know, and that's so amazing to go to work and, and have you say that because I think that's everybody's goal, right? To, yeah. to like strip that away and to really be able to be self-aware. That's at least my goal. I want to be very self-aware. Yeah. Um, I'm and, glad you got that opportunity. It's almost like a sabbatical, but you're busy. It was. It was nice to have a paycheck. <laughs> it's almost like taking six months off but getting paid. Yeah. yeah. Still having a Trust mind me, fresh. All of it went. Like I have n nothing is in my savings. And I'm like, where did this money go? I know. I and I'm like, why do I need too. this thing from Ikea? Like, <laughs> all this crap from Ikea. <laughs> you know, you know what? Um, I think Nassim Taleb said, said this. Uh, there's an author I read quite uh -huh. often. And he had a quote. He said, there, what are the two most addictive things in human history? said one is heroin, two is a monthly salary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that. that's yeah. like that's what we uh, like when we go to LinkedIn and what you did was pretty much chasing that that addiction to right that apart from validation, relevance yeah. and everything, mm -hmm. having that uh, security to be able to drop money here and they're like, yeah, yeah, money next month and you know, yeah. I work for a big company and they're gonna keep paying me so or I'll get a promotion next year. But I do want to get into family businesses, mm -hmm. the good, the bad and the ugly. Yep. Um, so Alina and I are technically a family business, but not the same level as yours. Um, I have personally have really admired family businesses. So just context from my side, we had uh, Ritesh on uh, the show. So Ritesh Ramakrishnan from Transworld, Upasana's husband. Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, third generation into his business. And I love seeing that a business can survive a couple of generations like yeah. you must have built something super solid yeah that is lasting even after you've passed <clears throat> and not just after you but like the generation after you is mm -hmm. coming in and gung-holy taking it to the next level um and a lot of people um in growing up were kind of hateful towards these businesses because of nepotism and i don't give a crap about that because i think every generation earns their right to do business. Mm -hmm. um, and if they don't, they'll be ousted anyway. So it doesn't yep. really matter. Everything is earned in every generational business too. But um, we've been paying with the idea of like having a family business in terms of like, will our kids want this and, and stuff like that. So, but I do want to get more context from people that are running family mm -hmm. businesses. Mm -hmm. Do I want that? Um, the only, I'll tell you the last thing before you answer is one of the reasons that really attracts us towards this business is that, or this family model, is you, if you eat from the same plate, it's going to be fine. Like Alina and I, when we earn our profits and revenues, they go into our household, we eat from the same plate, so it's mm -hmm. fine. The moment you start adding brother-in-law, brother, brother lives with his wife in a separate house. Right? Like what, 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 what should I be worried about if I am willing to work on family business and what am I missing out on if I don't, you know, build a family business? So I think, um, it's a little context. My, my dad started the business. He always had his brother, um, to help him and his brother was always beside him. Um, but my father always was kind of the driving force. People always knew that he was the boss. He kind of commanded that, that energy, um, I think when I talked to my dad about family business, 
Um, he always says, I never found the right person to run it. It was always him. And sadly, I think that our family business is not going to go on another generation. Um, the garment manufacturing, that business, um, over the five years that I spent there, we actually took this, we, we got very efficient. Um, we almost bought a plot of land to bring all the factories together. And then India was going through this weird phase at that time. It's very hard to get labor, captive labor. Um, rules and regulations were changing. Taxation was changing. It got very difficult to run a business and live in India. So we ended up actually, um, I ended up kind of leaving the business um, because I just, it was difficult. I, I moved to Bombay with my husband because we got married and he lived there. And it was difficult to go back and forth. And I kind of just took a step back and said, you know, I think I'm done. And more than that, I think my dad was like, I think you're done. And when I said, I think the only option now is to maybe close it, I think he was like, no, I'll run it. Um, and, and first I was like, wow, oh, man, he, he never trusted me. That was the thing. It keeps playing in your mind, you know. Even when you know something, it's like, why can't I ever be seen in this, in this business? Or why can't I be taken seriously? Um, and it was my own fault. I think that's the whole thing I'm talking about. The ego, the EQ, those are things that are super important when you're working in a family business. And I did not master them in my own family business. I think I only mastered them after and after I got out of it. I had so much time to think um, and, and look back, you know. Um, so basically he ended up selling a large chunk of the business and becoming like a landlord. Basically his factories, he, he sold with people, the machines, and now he gets a rent, which is really nice. Actually, it, when you reach a certain point in your life, that's what you want, mm -hmm. you know, and he still has a factory in Thirpur and uh, our managing director there, his daughter joined him in that business and they run it again, like a family business. And I mean, they work so beautifully and so nicely together. And like once in a while, when she tells me about it, I, f I feel so happy, you know, and I'm still learning things that I should have done better, things that we should have done differently. Um, I think I needed to be a different person at that time to be in that family business. In my husband's family business, I see that too. Uh, I see that, you know, there's so many different personalities and like my husband does his own thing now. He's not in the family business. And my sister-in-law is still in the family business and she's got such a... Um, She's what I, uh, she's more of what I should have been, which is a bit more malleable, which is a bit more flexible, which is a bit less strong headed, less ego. Um, and to be able to listen to everyone, still kind of chart your own way, but be able to listen. So when it comes to family business, I think it's important that you guys look at yourself, mm -hmm. right? As a couple, as business owners, as executives. And if you want to build something big, it's really important, I think, to give the person you bring in, every experience in that business and really help them focus and drive them to choose one or two things that they're really good at. I think it's, it was, we're looking back, it's really unfair to expect someone that's thrown in the deep end and say, oh, you know, figure it out, learn everything, do accounts, do finance, do operations, do merchandising. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. You People spend lifetimes being good at one thing. Yeah. Um, and to do all of that with no plan was stupid. Yeah. Um, but well, I'll give you. I'm sorry for interrupting. No, like I'll give you mm -hmm. what I call myself. I'm the chief everything else officer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I'm the CEO. Yeah. I'm everything else, yeah. which is like gives me that. So I'm I'm relating a lot yeah. because it's like a bit of everything. Mm -hmm. Versus, so client and service delivery. She's deep into that. Yeah, she knows everything, single mm -hmm. thing about that. But the the truth and reality of small business is that you 
don't have that much to need two partners too. So that's something we struggle with too. Like, do we mm-hmm. need two of us on this business as yeah. well? So that's where I fight for my relevance inside my own head. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes I come up short. Yeah. Like may, maybe this isn't right as as a model. Maybe I move into more of an advisory role and help you do mm-hmm. more of what you do. And maybe yeah. you'll work longer hours because I'm not there and I'll go and do something else. But, mm-hmm. you know, the options on the table, because to justify, as you said, like if there's two plates, yeah. make more money. Yeah. Make a ton more money. Exactly. And, and actually, my husband did that. Yeah. So we all started the farm together four years ago. And um, I think two years into it, he was like, I don't think that I'm really required. And even my mother-in-law, after we have a seven-acre farm. We're growing on every piece, drop of soil. Uh, everything, like we grow organic. So, you know, it's like organic and hydroponic. So we're growing on every single part of that land. Um, we're retailing. At, I was hoping you brought some strawberries today. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't grow strawberries. Either. We tried it and we grew delicious strawberries. But, uh, yeah, it's very tough to grow strawberries. Yeah, it's very tough. And just grow them. That's why they're all growing conventionally. Mm. You know, it's like so tough. Anyway, we'll talk about plants another time. Um, I think that it was, he saw that early on. And, you know, he was like, I don't think all of us are needed. Mm -hmm. And I saw that opportunity too, which is why I said, let me go try to get a job. Because I think that, you know, everything we are growing is being sold. And we've gone through the exercise of trying cool new things on the farm and realizing, actually, it's a commercial farm. Let's grow these seven things and let's do it well. And that's been the journey in that business for the last two years. And we had many ideas. Let's start importing. Let's do fruit and much imports. Now we know the market better. We know what people are spending more money on. We know what is difficult to grow. We know what requires better quality in a year market. So now with all this knowledge, we're becoming more intelligent. And now joining this business back, I have a very clear plan of what I want to build, you know, but I think I had to step away because there was just not enough for both of us to do. I was getting, you know, actually, you don't know it's boredom, right? Until, until you step away and you're like, man, I'm doing so much more in the same amount of time. (laughs) Yeah. And when push comes to shove, if you were like the exercise Alina and I do every once in a while, it's like, Let's say I was not here tomorrow. Will we, we? Will you be fine? Or will let's say you're not here tomorrow. Will I be fine? And the answer is not fully yes, and it's neither no. So it's somewhere in in limbo. But it's it's also awkward, right? In family businesses, to have these kind of discussions, yet we force ourselves to go uncomfortable and go deep as possible because yeah. we are a we're best friends. Plus we're husband wife. Plus mm-hmm. we literally spend twenty four hours together. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is some moment that something comes out and we just go with it and deal with it. But yeah, we need to we need to find our answer um, as well to this. Um, you were talking about vision. I don't want to talk mm-hmm. about vision. But before that, um, let's talk about vision. You came back into the business, right? And yeah. you said you have a clear plan. I want to understand um, how do you like what does that look like if you paint a picture of me? Not the actual vision of what you want to do, although you can add color to that. But what is what is vision? How much of it is happening subconsciously? How much is consciously? Do you do it pen and paper? Do you talk aloud about it? Like, how does your vision develop? How do you develop a vision and how far out can you see? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm on that journey right now. Mm-hmm. I don't think, um, yeah, I'm on that journey right now. I think that... Um, Going from one family business to another family business, I've kind of uh, like gotten mixed up 
with with the family business vision, right? Yeah. Um, I think again, it was part of stepping away and realizing, okay, what do I want to do? What am I good at? What do I like to do? I mean, I think I repeat it myself, but I think that in in a family business, even when I worked for my dad, it was his vision. It was his baby, right? And even when I had my own vision, I had to do a lot to get buy-in. And that almost exhausts you, right? And it, it's you get exhausted, and by the time you get the, okay, yeah, okay, this makes sense, let's do it, something's changed. You know, people really drag their feet. Um, and it's amazing because... Certain people, even in the family businesses, right? Some people are risk takers and some people are not. It's just genetic, right? And I see that in, in my dad. My dad's a risk taker. He's, he's a hustler. He's always taking risks, you know? Um, and maybe his, his brother was not so much a risk taker, right? Um, in, in, in my family business with, with my mother-in-law, um, maybe me and her are more... Me and maybe my father-in-law, like, we like to take risks, right? Um, my husband is not as so much a risk taker. I think he likes to really um, think things through. And we really need that, though. We need that in the business. We need someone to say, no, this, like, let's think through everything and make sure it's bulletproof. Um, but that kind of cyclical thinking through, taking risks, it, it, you know, we lose time. And, you know, it's, it's, you need both. The formula is um, all muddled up in my head. So I know I, I should be taking risks, but I also know I, I, they need to be calculated. Um, so now I'm just spending some time kind of asking myself, going back to my roots to say, what do I love doing? Now, I know that in the last six months, I know that I need to love what I'm doing because I'm not someone who needs to like a set work time. I, I'll, I'll work all the time. But I need to love what I'm doing and I need to feel very fulfilled in every hour I spend, no matter like I want to be fulfilled as a mother. You know, I thought that, oh, I'm going to be a working mom. I put so much pressure on myself that that's what I want to do. I want my boys to know like what it's like to have a mom that works. I don't want to be that person where they're like, oh, yeah, you know, um, my mom, you know, is always around. Like the biggest adjustment for my kids when I started this job was that like my older one would just guilt trip me. It's always like, oh, but you're never around. All the mummies come to drop off. I'm like, bro, mm -hmm. let's be very clear. One thing your mother is never going to do is drop you off and drive you to school. Not like sure we, just the boundaries, you know? <laughs> I was like, I will live in an apartment forever, but I will have a driver. Please learn to love him, <laughs> you know? Um, it's one of those things. So I think I'm on that journey. In terms of vision, I'm trying to put boundaries around these things. And I know that there are a few things that I love doing and I'm trying to map it out myself. I know I love textiles, but I also know that I love being sustainable. I'm not a recycler, should be, um, but building doesn't recycle. It's so annoying. It's, it's all of Dubai. It's all of Dubai. Makes sense. But I think both, that... Both my cans are for trash. One's <laughs> <laughs> a different color, but it's... Just... Yeah. And, and you know, I, Other trash. even when I started to recycle, my, my, my mate kind of took it down and she said, it doesn't matter, ma'am. Yeah. I gave it to him and I said, this is recycling and he threw it in the yeah, same place. And I was like, man, I, this is going to be a bigger project for me. You know, one building at a time in Dubai. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I think that like I'm, I'm interested in textiles. I'm interested in clothing. I'm interested in re recycling. I'm interested in food. Mm -hmm. And I'm just trying to figure out a way where I can bring those things together. I don't know how, 
But I think I don't want to make the same mistake I did um, working for myself before this as an, uh, in my entrepreneurial journey was take on too much on my plate. Mm -hmm. So I think I need to pick one thing and get really good at it. Yeah. Um, even as an entrepreneur, coming back to Aranya Farms and doing this now again full time, I need to pick one or two things and be really, really good at it. You know, what the commonality I'm finding is that, and tell me if you agree with this, but when Alina and I got into business, we called it, or we thought of it as a lifestyle business, because the things that you're mentioning that are important to you are important to us as mm -hmm. well. I haven't heard you yet talk about, you know, I wanted to make money and this is the revenue target. You're talking about all these mm -hmm. lifestyle things that matter and they matter to us because we're, you know, students of Tim Ferriss and like we're binging on his content. He introduces context to us and we haven't ever unlearned it. Mm -hmm. And over over that course, um, you get a few wake up calls too, right? Because it has to be sustainable. Because, you know, if, if there is no business, then there's no lifestyle <laughs> if you're going for a lifestyle business. Because now you're demanding two things from a business, whereas other entrepreneurs demand one thing, be profitable, Mr. Business. Like if mm -hmm. business was a Mr. or Mrs. Business, uh, we're asking it to make money and also give us the lifestyle and the freedom and the flexibility and the fact that we want to do what we want to do and have passion with it and love what we do and mm -hmm. whatever we want to do. And we're asking so much of it. So every once in a while, so we started doing like a revisioning this start of this year and we just had to untangle a lot of our fluffiness yeah. and get to some of these goals. And then we started adding the fluff back and it works so much better. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like having that kind of structure of like, yeah, as you said, um, you know, have your targets, hit your numbers, you know, burn the midnight oil doing that, but then pepper in a bit of your yeah. own um fluff for lack of a better word you can't call it that what I've realized is you know you have to love what you do mm -hmm. you have to be obsessed with it like it doesn't feel like work when you it, do it absolutely it shouldn't feel like absolutely work. like even right now um, I've realized when it comes to even the farm mm -hmm. uh, it, it took me so long in my life to learn the difference between business development marketing sales commercial like it just I, I learned it all more recently, right? Because in, in family businesses, you're doing everything. Yeah. So it's like, what is business development? It's everything. You know, social media, yeah, I can do that. I've done it. You know, what is targeting? Everything. Done. Ad, yeah. Google Ads, done it. Like, you mm -hmm. know, I've done, I didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. um, and and more recently, I realized, actually, uh, I was having a conversation with MC, who I would give to research. Mm -hmm. and, and Next Tuesday. Yeah. And so, she, you know, we were having this conversation um, and I, I had it with another friend and I was discussing with her and I said, you know, what would you pick? And she was like, and I told her I, I pick business development every time because marketing is great. It's fun. But then I know I'm going to get bored. Sales is great. I'm great initially um, and it's fun. I like the thrill. And then I want someone else to handle it. Like just copy paste what I do. Uh, but I think business development is is super interesting. And she was also saying, she's like, yeah, I love going deep into something that we already have. Like going deeper into penetrating into a new market mm -hmm. um, within the same industry, same business, or finding a new product that's still related. That stuff is super exciting for me because it involves that innovation, that creativity, you know. Um, so that's that's what I like to do. So I'm still continuing to do that for like Aranya Farms. That's two business development. I want to start importing some interesting things. Now I know kind of what doesn't go well and I know what people really want, whether it's a restaurant or the wholesalers and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of getting in touch through the EO network, actually. It's amazing. I can never leave EO. Mm -hmm. <laughs> through the EO network, there's no solicitation. But, you know, people introduce you when you're a farmer. It's like, 
who's mm-hmm. a farmer, you know? So all our fa- all these farmers. professions in the world. Yeah, exactly. So once in a while you meet a farmer and you're like, oh, you too, man, it's yeah. tough out there, you know? <laughs> yeah. So we're all like doing other things, but we also have farms and we're all trying to like, you know, make our farms profitable. And when we chat about that, so I have a kind of a network, whether in Pakistan or Africa, and, I'm, and, and I keep telling them, I was like, guys, grow this for me and like send this to UAE. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you a fair price. We can talk about it's literally it's sustain it most sustainable, right? You know who's growing it, you know what they're putting into it. I know that farm. I've taken pictures there, and now I sell it to you at the best quality. And like they have that kind of respect and that understanding because people they send things to Dubai and it disappears. That same wholesaler you can't find next month. It's such a fast moving. It's like the stock market, even prices. You know, it's very tough to be in fresh fruit trading. It's exactly that. It's trading. Um, the same price of onions, you know, is. In three days, never gonna be the same price. It's yeah. like insane, and the and it's it's such a thrill actually being in this industry here. Yeah, in trading, um, so I, I'm I'm focused on now really doing well in that part, the growing part. Mm-hmm. I realize that's the lifestyle business. Yeah, having a farm and growing. Um, my mother-in-law is really good at that. You know, yeah. like she she like that's. There's, there's a beauty in there, and I have so much appreciation for it. That's the but, artisan side of things. Yeah, and me telling her, like, let's try to grow this, let's try to grow that, let's grow this specific salad leaf or this specific jalapeno, like, that's the fun for me. Yeah. And her actually growing it is the fun for her. So it is a lifestyle business in so many ways, but I have vision now. You know, I yeah. want to do something else with that, and I really want to do something in garments. So I'm working on that. I need to figure out what how I'm going to get back into garments. That's in my blood. I just... I just don't know what I'm going to do. You can make uh, shirts out of fruit peel. Good ideas. Writing it down. Really bad ideas. (laughs) (laughs) uh, No, I understand about the trading. I can see why you're excited about the trading business. So I used to be a foreign exchange trader for about seven years. Mm -hmm. And it's a very similar kind of take. In fact, it originated because of how trading is done in agriculture Mm -hmm. from the first ever forward contract was done because of a wheat supply that was to be harvested next year, but unpredictable weather patterns couldn't, so you couldn't tell how much you're going to make, how much you could sell. So you come up with these prices for a year long and those concepts are bored into currencies. Mm -hmm. So I did a a lot of heavy derivative trading for our clients and forwards and options. And I started reading, but I'm like, oh, this came because of wheat and fruit. I didn't know. Farmers uh, are very, uh, very smart. Um, I want to, you mentioned a few things in there, which I, we're going to delve deeper into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you spoke about MC, you talked about um, getting connected to other farmers through the network. Who, so who's your business crew right now? And what are, what do these Avengers look like? What roles do they play? Um, you don't have to mention them by name, but like most mm-hmm. important days, like what have you assembled for yourself? Because um, everyone I've talked to in, you well, through the podcast, other people too, no entrepreneur is doing it alone. Right. Like yep. there's there's no one can say with a straight face that I'm a self-made person. Like I, I mm-hmm. find that really crap uh, or I haven't met someone that can truly say that and mean it. Um, and these people are generally like either guides or gurus or people to spar with or or just people to shut you down. What does your group um, of people look like and what purpose do they serve for you? Yeah. Um, so, of course, uh, you know, so. I've been in EO for like eight years now, and I've always been in a form. Um, and when when I, I started this job, uh, I told my form, I, guys, I need a break. It's too much. 
It's a job. I have to meet you for four hours every week, you know, every month. It's a lot. So I took a sabbatical. And I got to say, I really felt a hole in my heart. Um, I think those kind of us, those seven people um, are so special to me as a collective. And the, apart from the fact that I have to like, you know, like really think about what I'm going to say in the meeting. So it's like gives you have to sit and reflect and look in the mirror and say, like, what actually happened this month to you, right? To take notes. Like um, <laughs> prepare. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so so I miss, I miss, I think that is a huge part of um, making me a better entrepreneur. And it's so funny, even when I told them this, I think they were split. Half of them said, you're going to hate it. Don't do it. And half of them said, what are you going to lose? You know, make more money than me, that's for sure. Go do it for six months. And it was amazing because even then I got I got experience shares from both mm-hmm. perspectives, you know, and I even even kind of me taking that six month sabbatical was so, so thrilling. Um, I still learned till the very last moment. Mm-hmm. Um, there are people that I've met along along the way within EO that are such anchors for me. Um, I have one or two people in, in my Chennai forum that are just like their brothers. Mm-hmm. They're like solid people. And I know that no matter what, I can pick up the phone and call and shoot the shit. And especially even business related, you know, especially business related. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think you has definitely helped me find, find a tribe of like-minded people. And you meet a lot of like, it's like any other organization. You don't get along with everybody. Yeah. The first four years I was in EO here and it was also me. I didn't take the chance to go out there and learn and meet new people. I had two kids in four years. It was it was a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. And every time I saw them, I was, you know, pregnant or like about to be pregnant or just delivered a baby and breastfeeding and always lacking sleep. It was like so half the time, they like, I think, you know, the first time I met a bunch of people, I was so fat. And then the second time they were like, who are you? I was like, we've met like four times. Same person. And yeah. And they were like, oh, wow, you look so different. I was like, yes, I produce children. <laughs> they came out of me finally. I am 20 kilos lighter. I hopefully I look different. So it's been quite a journey finding my tribe here in UAE within EO. Um, but MC is one of those people that like I immediately connected with. Mm-hmm. Immediately. I think... Um, um, in in the past, in 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 my kind of EO journey, it's been men, mostly men. So in form and stuff, I have like you know very good friends. But having that female perspective is it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, um, it really helps Selena too. So when she goes to more female focused events, she can a be herself more, or she finds herself that she can be a bit more herself, and then she can you know, justify the thoughts that she's getting or even take like my opinions about the business and take it to like, what does this mean for me? Like that yeah. that gender distinction is important because we do have different chemicals. We do have different hormones. Mm-hmm. And we do have different ways of thinking. And it's it's better to not get, get in group think when we're agreeing yeah. with each other and everything. That's not good either. Mm-hmm. So when she goes to like female fusion, she gets, you know, very excited and comes back. She's got a WhatsApp group with women entrepreneurs or women mm-hmm. in marketing and stuff like that. I'm, I think, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm more like your husband where I'm like very quiet. <laughs> like, that's why she's in EOA. Yeah. You know? That's why she's managing the, you know, the comms and stuff. She's like, just everywhere I talk to people. I love people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All the time. People are great. And um, I have, um, I don't know why it's crippling, but I'm, I'm working on it. You know, just like, I've always been very afraid to get advice um, or take advice from people. I've always been 
the guy who would pick up the guitar, I'm going to teach myself. I'm going to yeah. go online, I'm going to watch videos, and I'm going to teach yeah. myself. I could have sped up my learning by what I learned in six years, I could have done in six months. Mm-hmm. If only I just asked somebody. Yeah. Paid somebody or go to a friend yeah. who's already doing it. No, I want to do my share. <laughs> and I'm, I'm growing out of that. You know, as you're talking about becoming more self-aware and dropping your ego a bit, I'm, I'm dropping that too. I don't think I can do everything myself. Mm-hmm. I need to learn a bit more from Lena. I need to learn from you. And uh, maybe, you, you know, your husband and I can have a support group. You should. <laughs> he also taught himself guitar, so. Yeah? Yeah. Always. Life Lincoln Park likes guitar. Yeah. Um, I should set you guys up on a date. <laughs> you know what our date will be like, right? We'll sit and we won't talk to each other. Oh, we'll just enjoy the Dear Shisha, that's the, that's the last thing. That's it. No, I don't. Like okay, you'll still find something else. You'll just jam. I like sitting at Shisha Cafe because yeah. I don't like smoking the Shisha. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I do usually take a different set of shirts. Too. Yeah. I don't like smelling like it either. <laughs> After, but yeah, no, we'll be quietly sitting. Yeah, yeah. You know, just like perfect. Hey, man. Talk yeah. about music. <laughs> Do you want to play some tunes? Yeah. <laughs> what you got, Creed? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, okay, we're going to switch gears again um, and talk about imposter syndrome for a second. Because I think that from what the stories are telling me, it's, it's peppered throughout and it could be interpreted by me or someone who's listening. It's showing up in multiple times in your life right like when you're with your dad's business and the government yeah. business uh maybe when you're in your family-in-law's business as well uh maybe even maybe the least in your job <laughs> yeah guess, maybe the least in your jobs um i'll tell you i'll tell you something about imposter that i feel and you mm-hmm. can you can tell me your opinion but lately i've started to think and i'm not married to any of my opinions because they change and they're very fluid but sometimes i feel like the word or this phrase imposter syndrome is kind of crap too. Again, not married to that, open to changing my mind. Um, or or the way it's looked at it, it's used as a toxic positivity kind of thing sometimes. Like, hey, you know, something inside you is telling you you're shit at something, so don't listen to that voice, you're just having imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Actually, sometimes when that voice is telling you you're shit, it's because you were shit. Yeah. And you need to go do something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to pick up a different skill or leave what you're currently at because you're probably always going to be shit at that. And there's a, yeah. there's a good chance there is. So how do you differentiate those two? Because one is legit. One imposter syndrome is legit that you're hating on yourself for no good reason. Mm-hmm. And you need to go to CBT or something that, as I did. <laughs> and, and there's one that's so truthful and it's your own best coach telling you, yeah. no, don't do this. Yeah. Go to something else. Where do you fall in, in that spectrum? In, in both. Actually, actually, MC uh, talked mm. to me about it. Mm. And, you know, even, even throughout this role and, and the business and my journey over the last few years, it's, it's always nagging at the back of my head that, man, I'm just not good enough for this. You know, I'm just, I'm never going to be good enough to understand, you know, that much math and finance. I'm never going to be this much, so good to understand, you know, shipping terminologies and logistics. Like, you know, it's never going to like all click um, all the time. And I think talking to people, talking to at least that one person about it for me, um, made me realize exactly that. I realized in that role that I was in the wrong role, right? I am a client-facing person. I am a good salesperson. I'm good marketing. I'm good at business development. Don't put me behind an Excel sheet, Mm. right? Because I'm wasted. I'm wasted. It's actually going to, it's going to take me much longer 
to figure it out, mm-hmm. right? But if you tell me this is what it says, don't go lower than this price. This is how it needs to be communicated. Boom, it's done. It'll be done and and that person will be my best friend. You know, that's where I'm talented. And I think that's imposter syndrome to think that you actually fit nowhere mm-hmm. and you don't understand anything. You're neither here, you're neither there. And that's just been kind of my career, mm-hmm. you know? And I think learning about this term, term imposter syndrome made me realize for me, it's that you're good at one thing, right? And in every situation, you're going to, you're going to be good at one thing. Figure out what that one thing is and do that, right? Mm-hmm. If, I mean, it, it, it really depends. You may be uh, a good business development person or a salesperson in this, in this specific situation, or you know this product better than anyone. So you, you are that main kind of driver or salesperson. And then in one, you're actually the person that knows the product the best, you know the price the best. So you're actually the finance person also. So knowing which situation that you're, you're doing, you're going to be the best and, and do that. Um, I think that's, that's, where, that's what I've learned. Um, and I'm constantly, I think, I don't know, man, I think it's like, you know, women, we take a bit of time off and at least me, I'm, I, I push myself, right? So if I take a little bit of time off after having kids, my brain has, and the more you, now it's on the internet everywhere. People are talking about, you know, um, postpartum and, and, you know, all these are new things and concepts, right? Um, and you learn like, Maybe I had it, maybe I didn't have it, but then you you learn like the brain becoming mush, that's happening to everybody after they give birth, Mm -hmm. right? Every woman goes through it. Mm -hmm. And every woman, it takes a year for you to feel like yourself again. Mm -hmm. But in that one year, the amount of negative talk you've already told yourself is going to take two years to get over. To undo that. Yeah. 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 You know, so one year kind of doubles and then you have two kids and st- now I'm four years into it. And I kind of now feel like pushing myself off a cliff and doing something so different and new mm-hmm. has kind of brought new energy and new um, new understanding and awareness. Yeah. Yeah. So it's imposter syndrome in the sense that there's there's always a solution. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's always the best person to do the job. Yeah. Knowing both in every kind of situation is is critical. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's useful to have that antenna that's in your mind that's beeping, like, you know, something's off. It's now, you, do you use it as a guide or do you block it out? Which is most of the online advice right now is like, you're great, don't worry about that voice in your head. Don't let anyone tell you. It's like, no, sometimes you gotta, you gotta lean into yeah. that. But at the same time, like, I'm, I do agree. So I have three sisters mm-hmm. and... My mom uh, and, and, you know, I've been, I have had close female friends. I'm very close to my wife. Um, it is true. You guys do start to beat yourself up a lot more now than you ever have when you're not productive. Yeah. And that year period after giving birth, um, even though you physically can't or mentally can't, mm-hmm. still having that talk with yourself like, but she's doing it, but he's doing it. Yeah. They're getting along with it. Why can't why can't I? And like that is so damaging mm-hmm. that, you know, when we sit and prepare for that life for us to start, 
we're always figuring out like how do we give you Alina the most time off possible yeah without the regret without the negative like you are not productive member of society because yeah. your self-worth is tied to how much you do mm-hmm. <laughs> or how successful you are True. day to day and just on the flip side right yeah um i emailed someone about another project that i'm thinking of working on mm-hmm. and she's in pr and when i last met her i just delivered my second son and um she was hosting this dinner we sat next to each other and she had a i think a 4 year old at that point um an older kid than mine and she said i don't know if i'm going to have another kid but like yeah i'd like to right and i emailed her i hadn't spoke to her in a year and a half i sent her a message and her response was my emails are going to be slower cuz i just delivered my second one i was like great job that's amazing and she, her email of course like you were for yourself right so within like i think 2 hours she responded and she was like so good to hear from you like let's set up a call and i was like how are you doing like how are you doing this why are you doing how i like and i was like i've done this two times and the first time i took my time i didn't go back to work immediately and the second time i was sending emails from the hospital yeah. you know but the second time you, you know what's happening right the first time is just like oh, hit me yeah he's like, um, yeah. It's like yeah. um so and and for her also it was it was her second time and she was like you know what the thing is i actually love what i do and that's what i realized i think that if you love what you do everything the rules are out the window absolutely it's one day at a time absolutely like it doesn't it shouldn't feel like work as others call it like my mom looks at us working all the time she's like why are you guys working so much like mom it doesn't really feel like that yeah. like i know it looks like we're on the computer because we're digital market we yeah. we have to use this thing yeah, yeah. not a farmer yet you know i can't be fiddling around on the farm <laughs> even we're on the internet long yeah. now <laughs> nothing happens without our instagram <laughs> 100% right but at the same time so like seven years ago personal story was that we had well, like lena and i we had a miscarriage and she was working at a job at the time and then the guys who were running the company were like two young dudes 25 26 startup kind of environment in Toronto um she was back at work in like three or four days cuz no one knew how to deal with it right like yeah. these young guys didn't know how to work around you know what happened oh you mm. hospital are you fine now yeah. and alina didn't know what to do cuz she didn't have the guidance too from other women and she just like four days there she's like i'm sitting here doing nothing at home I'm recovering but your body is recovering on the inside as well. Yeah. You need to yeah. focus on it. So she just started working and she thought that was normal. Um but you know if that knowing what we know now she should have taken mm-hmm. more time. I read that post from Elena and it really touched me de- so deeply mm-hmm. because so many women have miscarriages yeah. and yeah. we do not talk about that. Nobody told us we never talk about this often. We never talk about and yeah. I think now more people are at least in my circle because everyone's having kids and like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um now now because it's happening to us and then we have kids and once it's happened you have kind of your mom friends you're talking about it more yeah. but the first time it happens right um it's a like a piece of you just those dreams kind of shatter Right. right you've already had those dreams of of what your life is going to be like what the kid is going to be like already within like the first hour of knowing you're pregnant mm-hmm. and then when you when you have that loss it's so deep and it like sits so deep that it comes out in the most um horrible ways and and i didn't even comment on that post because i was like you know that's something i need to take her out and just sit and talk about that because I still struggle with it, you know, and I wasn't even that far along, but that sense of loss, I have experienced it and 
I mean, now, now I look back and, you know, I tried to get pregnant the second time. And the first time even my doctor said, oh, IVF, that's it. There's no chance for you. Just do IVF. Your egg count is very low. Mm. And I was like, no, I changed my lifestyle. You know, I stopped drinking. I stopped having coffee. Um, now I'm yeah, like, ah, I got it. Um, two kids, you know, come at me. For now. <laughs> but, you know, I, I basically like changed my life. And so did my husband. We both like stopped drinking. We like changed our lifestyle. And, and you know, we, we luckily got pregnant. It, it took a lot of time. We moved places. We just didn't want to like be, we started anew. Yeah. Um, and I think it's all environmental and mental. And um, even the second time I, I couldn't get pregnant and I knew I wanted, I wanted three kids. I'm, I'm one of three. Um, but I think we're done now. Um, or so my husband says. <laughs> but no, we're done. But yeah, I was saying like, you know, I think that I, even the second time I was told it's never going to happen. Just do IVF. Low account. And someone actually told me, a doctor actually told me, um, you know, your one miracle is up. It's not possible again. Yeah. And I was so upset at that. Yeah. I, I mean, it's again, that maybe that ego came out then because I was like, how dare you tell me yeah, yeah, yeah. it won't happen for me again. Yeah. Right. Um, and the, I want to show you. Yeah, for yeah. sure. So, I mean, I, I mean, I started the drugs again for IVF and I didn't go through with it because I got pregnant the second time. But I think it's it was for me here. Um, yeah. I know everybody's journey is different, yeah. but in, in the middle, I had a, a loss as well. And. Oh, that pain stays with you. It's a lot of pain and grief. Especially when you don't know how to process that trauma. Yeah. Like, no, because no one talked about it, you yeah. you don't even know how to do. And it's funny when you talk about, like, talk to my aunt or, you know, older women, they're like, oh, this happens. I'm like, why didn't you, why don't you say that? Like, no one wants to talk about it because it's like, we don't want that to happen to you. I'm like... Aunties have a way of being very inconsiderate. I'll not show having one of them. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't we all? I'll become that uncle that, you know, tied his hand to the back and walks around. But I want to I wanna talk about from going from having kids to something very similar in the business world, which is building a team. I mean, only you can tell me if it's the same because you have kids and I don't. But I want to talk about team, but in a very specific way in terms of retention. So we all kind of know when we found good people. Right. Um, there's no there's no science behind it. You just know, right? This is a keeper. This is a good person. How have you evolved your thinking about, or if you've had any involvement in retaining people? Like, this is a golden star. We need to do everything we can to keep them happy and keep them with us. Uh, they're pretty valuable to us and they're valuable to the market. How do you go about, you know, what do you consciously do to retain them and keep them on your side? Mm-hmm. So famously bad at this, to be honest with you. Famously, but it's a good question. Let's There's, talk about it. For me, my <laughs> advice is all right. Uh, it's proper retrospect, you know. Mm -hmm. um, in in my dad's business, I joined a business where people have been working there for twenty five years, mm -hmm. twenty years, twenty five years. So you can imagine, as like you know, young thing going in there, ruffling feathers. Nobody liked it. Mm. Um, in the first year, the CEO who'd been there twenty five years quit. Um. The person we had... You did that? <laughs> well, my dad <laughs> definitely thinks I did that, but uh, I think she did it to herself. But she was just... It's very tough, you know, when, when you're trying to modernize or digitize a business that is purely done, like, by hand or making clothes, you know? But if you weren't starting to think about every second is money, you were never going to make money in that business. Mm -hmm. And I think that it was a very old-fashioned way of thinking. And... 
She had the relationships. Um, she knew what she was doing, right? And she had come up in that industry. She knew that company better than anybody, better even than my dad, because she'd been there for so long. My dad was always traveling and moved to America, started another business. She was there all the time. Um, but she refused to change. Refused. We tried everything. I tried everything. Nothing I did was ever going to work with this woman. Um, so when she quit, um, it was very tough and emotional because I think my dad, it was like a child had died, you know, it was just like for him, it was, and he tried to keep her for me. That was even more heartbreaking because it's like he almost chose someone else over his blood ego again, you know, that was all learning for me. Um, and I realized that in, in that situation, every time after that, when you hire someone, right, I've realized you got to hire for that specific role. What do you need in a CEO in that business? She knew all the people. She knew how to do merchandising. She knew how to hustle, but she could not take that business from a 50 crore business to a 500 crore business. She could not, right? And my dad used to have a massive business. When he scaled it down, she was the right person to run that business, mm -hmm. right? But when I was, was there- Was the size at the height of the business? Like in dollars, would that be? I have no idea. You know, I, I should know. <laughs> I should know. In my brain, I'm only thinking crores. This is the mm. mush brain speaking. <laughs> yeah, and also uh, mush brain, and also like blocked out that you know, time in my life. You know? oh, Serious. Um, okay, never mind. But yeah, it was. It, it, we were running at that time um, a 50 core business with a clear plan to make it a 100 core business. In the past, it must have been maybe a 300 core business, mm -hmm. um, and. You'd see so many people that we started this in this industry together. It's an up-down always, right? Um, many people who started a brand did so much better and garments kind of fell behind. Now in India, if you're going to be in the garment manufacturing business, you got to have a brand. Mm. Otherwise, you're never going to make money, I feel. Mm -hmm. um, so she was the right person for that role and that business, but she was never going to take it to 100. Mm. So now when, I, now when I look for someone in any role, like if I'm looking for um, someone to help manage the farm or someone who's going to be a QC, even in these smaller roles, I think about like really, is it someone who's going to understand operations? Is it someone who's going to be there and uh, kind of learn on the job, but have a really good attitude about it? Some, you know, some people say always hire for attitude, right? You can't, like as long as someone has a good attitude, you can teach them the job. I've realized, though, especially with that one experience with that CEO, she probably had an amazing attitude. She was super aggressive. She could get anything done, right? But she didn't have the temperament. She, uh, attitude temperament is similar, but she didn't have the know-how on how to scale, on how to adapt or how to change. So attitude is still different from, like, actual hard knowledge learning. Um, mm -hmm. So I think... It, well, now when I hire, like I'm looking maybe to hire a new salesperson or even when I go back to into this role and we're thinking of growing our import business. Okay, what are you going to handle? What are you going to handle? What am I going to handle? Mm -hmm. We're trying to figure that out, you know. Um, but yeah, when it comes to people, I, I'm still learning. And I think yeah. it's a constant what works once may not work again. Um, yeah, because people are so individual, right? Like, they, I mean, there's tons of books we've all we've probably read about it and it's yeah. just in the moment you don't realize what you need to do because like we get um pretty 
sold by candidates that present themselves well. Mm-hmm. Like if someone sells themselves well, we think they're they're really good, and we we try to keep like okay, no, let's test them technically too, mm-hmm. and like, and you know, some part of their personality wins us, and then our heart gets attached, and then like our brain stops working, and we're like, oh shit, you're on yeah. my team, and you're crap. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, I like you, and. Um, you know, I don't need you in the business, but like you've not done nothing wrong. And we go through all these like different yeah. kind of people. And I, I do agree with you. Attitude by itself means, you know, the whole uh, adage about like hire for attitude and then train them. Mm-hmm. Some people have good attitude as people, but they don't have good attitude towards learning and retaining the information mm-hmm. that they've been taught as well. But they're really open about, oh, I made a mistake, but like they make it every week. But they're yeah. really nice about it and they take feedback too. So like, it's just a constant challenge where we're learning. We're, we used to, in the start of our business, worry about, oh, we're not getting the right people. We're now starting to think, uh, maybe it's uh, same for you too. It's like, we need to become better managers and bosses too, mm-hmm. or better hires. Um, and like completely redo the way we think about people. Because A, when it's your own business, no one else gives as much of a crap as you do about your yep, business. Yeah, every little detail. And and you will, no matter what role it is, even if it's a QC role, mm-hmm. you will care about that role. Oh, yeah. The person you're paying to do yep. QC will. And they're just looking at you like, why do you care so much? Yeah. It's not such a big deal. The date is wrong, but it was yesterday. I'm like, how do you get the date wrong? Yeah. I'm like, I'm like <laughs> it's the date. <laughs> no, I know. Like, I I don't even want to, like, call anyone out. But, like, there are situations where there's such minute details and I shouldn't have to pick those up because, you know, that's your job. But I remember being an employee and I remember giving less uh, of a call. Yeah. And I actually... In this very studio. So I used to work. So this studio used to be a tech company. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're an IT company. We're developing like software projects for companies like those, like EY, was mm-hmm. a client, Microsoft, Audi and stuff like that. So it was my boss sitting right there. I was sitting right here. We had a development team in Belgrade and everything. And he's a really passionate guy. I love him. He now runs a studio and I'm a part investor in this as well. Um, and we're, we're pretty close. But he used to sit there and he used to like question me. He's like, I'm paying you so much. Like, why don't you give this extra... And I just look at him saying, like, I'm never going to as much as you. You know that, right? Like, yeah. You know, this is your business and mm-hmm. mine, right? Mm-hmm. He's just shocked. Like, why are you talking to me like that? Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm eight years older than you are. <laughs> um, I was older than him. He's, yeah. he's, he's younger, not eight years, but like five years. Mm-hmm. And the same thing, um, I am I was the most senior person he'd ever hired. He'd usually work with people around his age, too. And yet I forget it when I'm a business owner that I said that and yeah. that people will. And, and now I'm, you know, reminding myself, hey, that's completely fine. If people drop the ball, I need them to be 80% good. Mm-hmm. We can't find, we're not a million dollar business yet. We're not a $10 million business. Mm-hmm. We're not a $100 million business yet where I'm going to get those A plus guys that are smarter than me, better than me, faster yeah. than me and all that kind of stuff too, right? So, And I think while we're on this journey, yeah. the biggest mistake we make is... Oh, I have a job description. I know what the job entails, what the day-to-day is, right? Um, and now I'm going to go hire someone with the same kind of, who's done, done this before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's, is, that's our fault as the, as the people hiring. Mm-hmm. I think we need to take it one level back and actually divide it up by, okay, these are the actual, like, day-to-day responsibilities 
This is the kind of attitude each of these responsibilities need. One needs to be malleable. One needs to be, you know, fierce, whether it's accounts or like, you know, it's sometimes in sales, it's like, you know, you have to follow up on, on money. You need to be aggressive. Mm -hmm. So you need to find someone with like 10 different, completely opposite characteristics in, in, in any hire or a job, especially when you're a small business, especially even though my business in India was massive, we still had like, everyone was mostly a worker. So you had only like 50, 60 actual staff people. So I think that it's super important to now, or even in that business and it, after that, I hire for the actual role and the attitude that each one of those specific activities yeah. needs what I think is most important in, in those activities, yeah. you know, and then I try to check off boxes as I meet them. And I always, I, I, I have like, I have to work with them for at least three months before I know this is working out, this is not working out. And then that check-in every month to see what, what can we do better for you? What can you do better for us? But at the same time, you know, you're so busy running your day-to-day -day business, to be honest. I would do that at the hiring and then see how many boxes, check out, blah, blah. And then you do it three months later and say, you weren't good enough, right? Yeah. Or, yeah, you're great. Let's continue. But then it didn't, or they didn't have enough I? situations to, yeah. So, I, I, like I said, I think it's very, people, people is tough. Yeah. People is tough. And that's also why sometimes I'm like, maybe it's nicer to just have a lifestyle business once you, my mother-in-law, my farm manager, we got like two, three other people. It's five of us we go on dinner. We go like this, you know, we want to share a bonus. It's like, this. it's almost easier. But I know that, um, you know, we all have that fire that we want to make a mark. Yeah. Um, so I know that these are things that are super important as you grow and as, as we grow and we build our team. Um, but this is my, my one specific learning is that don't listen to people that say, oh, attitude is everything. Don't listen to people that yeah. say, oh, it's, you know, their responsibilities, they need to know their stuff. I think it's, they have to be married. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we keep, um, we keep rethinking our business model in terms of people way too often than we need to because of the, we don't do the pre-thinking before uh, or well enough. We don't make a bulletproof plan about exactly what we want. And we sometimes we make uh, decisions based on desperation um, just to get things done, or sometimes we make emotional decisions. So we're also gathering our list of failures and hopefully trying to work better. We recently, you know, we once in a while we talk exactly as you said, we think back to the lifestyle business. What would it look like if just the two of us did everything again? What if we didn't have anyone to manage? Because, like, oh my God, now I'm doing less work in terms of doing the work for the client but I'm doing more check-in work and finding mistakes and that's irritating me more. Mm -hmm. And now I have to go and redo some of the work that's already been done and I have to put out fires that were created by someone else which should not have been created if I were doing it myself. Yeah. So we started to come to this realization when we did the pros and cons of having people do it and just us doing it. There's pros and cons on both sides. Yep. Cons of doing it yourself, you'll never have time off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't go for a trip and just turn off yourself yeah. for like two days. Because there are people there looking out for you. So it's just about which shit sandwich we want to eat. And we just pick that and take a bite. And you know, it's one day at a time. If there's yeah. one thing I've learned after having kids and motherhood, it's like one day at a time. Yeah. I'm the person who likes to plan like everything. I have to plan everything. My calendar's always like... Da, 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 da. Oh, one day at a time. Um, it, it's, you, you have to slow down one day at a time. What What does this situation need right now? Yeah. Um, 
what do how do I need to be in this situation right now? Do I need to listen or it's just, you know, I need to speak my mind every situation, like every moment that kind of self-awareness. Like I like I said earlier, like, you know, I have a lot of peers in EO that mm-hmm. highly recommend meditation. Um, I've just I've been unable to sit and focus. And sometimes I think like that's such a luxury, man. Meditation. Fuck if I had time to meditate. And have time to if you don't have, have a proper breakfast or something, you know, like <laughs> eat better oats, like you know, make a dosa for myself. You know, like I'm just, like, I just, food. yeah, <laughs> back to food. Um, but you yeah. know what they say? They say if you don't have an hour to meditate, you need two hours to meditate. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if they said that, but it makes a lot of sense because I just, it's, it's I, I just, I need to do it. Sure, but that's my own meditation. That's my own meditation is oh, like stopping, asking myself. Do I want to keep talking? Do I want to listen? Yeah. Um, you know, what What do? What am I sensing in this situation right now? Um, am I feeling that anger? And like, you know, it's like every day you feel a whole bunch of things. So once in a while, like it's it's better to do it more often during the day, especially as, as a business owner and entrepreneur, yeah. keep checking in. This is one of my biggest mistakes working for my dad. Yeah. Shooting from the hip. Could it, could it be that too much of that is also bad? And I'm speaking from personal experience. Sometimes I do too much of that check-in during a day mm-hmm. that it's paralyzing to a point where I don't get... I mean, how long are your check-in? check-ins? Um, they're not quick. Are they naps? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is like get a second. It's like, what do you want to do? Okay. So what, like practically what it looks what it looks like, and t- we'll walk through it practically how it would look like. So let's say you're on Tuesday, as in today. You have a full list of things you got to get through today and they're mostly like you know not deep work tasks they're just like tasks you get need to get done you need to get things arranged and somehow you get an insight whether it's a conversation or you listen to something you read something and it gives you an insight that could change the way the next two or three months would look like Mm -hmm. do you drop stuff and go into that do you go deep into that or do you kind of make a note like no i need to think about this in a bit more when i have stretch of time and then it never gets thought about because you know, there's always stuff coming in. Or do you really quickly kind of assess the situation where how do you practically do that? You know, full day, insight coming, yeah. what happens next? Yeah, I'm a true Gemini. I have severe monkey brain. Okay, I will jump from one thing to another. Mm-hmm. And now the the kind of the way I, 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 I pacify myself, well, if I go back to that, it was still important. If I didn't go back to that, mm-hmm. yalla, move on. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's 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 like with ideas, it's with things like that's why I can so confidently say now my heart is in creating some sort of textile brand, something. For, I don't know what it is or who it's going to be for men's, women's, kids. I don't know. But I know it has to have a sustainability angle to it. I know I'm very deeply passionate about it because that's one idea that every time I feel low, I'm like, Think about this that. is what I'm going to work on. Mm-hmm. Then I work on it for a little bit and then I'll go back to what pays the bills. Yeah. You know, and then, and then I'll do that and then I'll go back to what pays the bills, you know. Yeah. So I know that in my life, I'm I'm going to do this for myself. And this is an idea that I'm going to always come back to. Mm-hmm. And until I do it, I, I won't rest easy. Yeah. Um, like it'll keep showing up, right? It like keep, It always shows up. Like it's it's just like a, a bullet that keeps firing in your head. It's like, hey, sustainable. Close, yeah. Sustainable, yeah. Close, something. Sustainable, something. Close. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that. Let's. I mean, we talk about it from a different angle. Well, I want to talk to you about innovation. Uh especially because, A, you're in one of the oldest industries in the world currently. Um, yet the two businesses that you've done are the most, 
they're both the oldest and yet they need to keep up with the times like farming, for example, too. And the fact that you were talking about the sustainable clothing thing. How do you think about innovation? Like not from a EOI kind of days, but like real people talk. <laughs> like what, what the hell is innovation? How do you deal with it? Are the ideas like what, what's, how's it, how does it cook? Like does it need to be boiled? Does it need to be fried? Uh, what's the size and shape that you need to cut? What is, what, what's, what's, what's innovation and those yeah. things? Yeah. Like, no, actually for you, because like I ask again from my business perspective, like you can use terms like future proofing, which, you know, is, is a great way to say when it actually is. But we need to do that, let's say for AI, for example, mm-hmm. like everyone talks about. But we are trying to figure out what it means and should we care about it at this stage of the business? Because we get the fear of like being left behind or, yeah. you know, the reason you're doing it for is either to create more revenue or is it to save the revenue that you will lose? Mm-hmm. Anyways, enough of a ramble. Tell me no. what you think. Um, so to clarify, you want me to talk about just like innovation in those industries or the businesses or what it looks like? How you think about it, how much time you spend thinking about it for your businesses, you know, how, how far out are you thinking and mm-hmm. what, are, what are some bold decisions you're thinking of making and how do you make them? How do you run it past the family? How do you research it? Or yeah, the you know, stuff. Um, so, well, <clears throat> the question. biggest joke is that I always used to joke, like you know, I, you know, food and garments. Yeah, right. Food and clothes. My businesses are always going to make money. What a joke. Yeah, those are the two hardest industries I think to be a part of, and you're constantly losing money. Let me tell you, um, it's like you know, it's. I always used to joke, like, everyone's going to always need clothes. How can this ever be a bad business to be in? Food. Everyone's going to always need food. How can this be a bad business to be in? Um, But I think innovation in these two specific industries come in such interesting ways. Um, For example, just taking the way people make clothes, it's down to a science now, right? There. I mean, it's still humans making them um, and there's so many humans involved. There's still no machine that you can just put thread, mm. fabric, you know, at buttons and then it comes out a shirt. It doesn't exist, right? If you want to make a shirt, some human needs to touch it. it even a robot still cannot do as, as, as be- something as beautiful as, as a human can in terms of putting this together. I'm sure there's an AI now, actually, as I say that, that's probably doing it. But that I have seen with my own eyes yeah. in, in masses, it's still humans that, that need to make the shirt. There are people making T-shirts, right? Um, robots and machines making T-shirts, but you need humans to make clothes. I guess the innovation there is really thinking about that business differently. Um, thinking about how to save money because it's all heavy and like, you know, half the money goes into fabric. There's you have very low margins and that margin is getting less and less and less as people want cheaper, cheaper, cheaper. Um, and at the end of the day, as someone who makes clothes, I actually buy Zara H&M because I know as much as I hate them, they're making the most reliable quality of clothes. I know when I go, I touch, I, or even online, I'm everything online. I know that this Poplin shirt, I can read and see it's going to feel like this. Yeah. So I know exactly what to buy, right? So it's that reliability. But the innovation really comes in and how are we going to save money in that margin that's going to keep reducing? And there are hundreds of different ways to do that. And for me, that's innovation. 
I don't see innovation as this big thing where AI is going to come save me. Um, I see innovation in really small ways, even in food, even in, in, in farming, right? Mm -hmm. This is something like, this is also something different. We tried to apply the idea of like having a SAM or having like what we have in garments, right? Like timing how much time it takes to do this. And farming will give you the middle finger because once you put a seed into soil, you give it the nutrients, cool, nature. Yeah, you can't just be like, come on. Come on, Aria. I mean, you can do that even hydroponics yeah. to some extent. And then suddenly it'll be like, what's that white dot? And then why is it spreading? You know, and then it's like, it's, and there's so much technology, like a company, Alaska, that, you know, uh, I, I, I love his vision. The, the founder really has a vision and it's growing. Um, mm. It's kind of, again, innovation that helps in the smallest way create efficiencies. Right. So creating a camera that can look at the plant 24 seven faster than and detect things faster than a human eye can. Mm. Right. It's innovation in small ways. Now, are you going to put that camera in every single farm ever? Um, yeah, we'll get there. But it's like innovation in these small ways. Um, but does he know how to run an organic farm? Probably not. Yeah. Right. He, it's, it's a very clear focus for him. I'm a tech business. I'm an agri-tech business, but I'm a tech business. Right. And that clarity, once you know that clarity of what your business is and then you have to work innovation within that kind of boundary, I think seeing what other people are doing in AI or something like that, applying those concepts, sure, in, in your own kind of age old industry, that's innovation. Mm -hmm. um, and there was there was there was someone someone in EO and has this amazing business uh, again, f uh, garment business. And he was telling me and he's been doing this for a while, I think. Um, basically what he did was everyone was designing in America, right? Coming to India, giving, giving the clothing and you'd manufacture in India. What he did when everybody was booming business out of America was go to America mm -hmm. and open a small 50 machine in the middle of, I don't know, like Tennessee or one of those kind of middle states, mm -hmm. um, created employment, created a team, created bonding, and now that kind of that Zara, like he picked up on that Zara model and did it in, in garment manufacturing, right? In his own small scale, but it's actually huge because every time he gets an order, the first order comes from that factory in Tennessee. And then in the meantime, the other one is coming by ship. Mm -hmm. So how Zara innovated, like that's, if you can copy paste and do it as well as them, you should, that's innovation nice. for your own small business. Yeah. You know, the same with the same in, in for example, our, food and agriculture business. We constantly have issues in the summer um, when we're packing okra. When you look at an okra, it looks great. You pack it, it looks great. You keep it, suddenly you get these little bugs that come out of okra that literally only have it's like sitting and packed the... What are they hiding in there? It is hiding in there. And it's like they literally, it's horrible. But this is food, it's organic. Yeah. You know, I tried to tell people this is what it is, guys. Yeah. Like, you know, what we started of it. using pesticides in the first place. Yeah. So, you know, so it, and, and then it comes, it comes out. So I was like, okay, how do we change the packaging completely? Do we just put it in a Ziploc bag? What's like, I'm trying to fit, like, that's my new kind of side project within the yeah. farm is like, how do we innovate in packaging specifically for fresh produce? Mm -hmm. Right. Another thing, like, you know, you see all these salad boxes, nothing pisses me off more where it's like, you know, these brown boxes and it's like, yeah, we're so sustainable and eco-friendly. Here are my salad leaves in this brown box. I'm saving the environment. You're not. All those plastic boxes are aligned with pla all those brown boxes are lined with plastic. 
Otherwise, it's impossible for plants like to like the salad leaves you're getting, they have to be in a plastic box. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd get them and in three days they'd wilt. So what's, yeah. the, point what's the point of buying locally? The point is it's going to last longer. Mm -hmm. So let's innovate within that. Now you know you need plastic, but yeah. what can we do with that plastic after? Is there ways that we can like get around it? Can you put bags of, uh, you know, salad leaves in supermarket and you pick how much you want? Like that, I think that's... Innovation in little ways. I think people are so focused now on this big kind of disruption. Yeah. Innovation. I just, you know, I like to think of it a little simply. I like that. I like that you're like innovation doesn't have to disrupt your industry. It can just be disrupting your own business. Like on this one, not even the whole business. It could be a department within your business. Yeah. And the more you get into the habit of doing yeah. little small innovations, mm -hmm. man, you never know what which one's going to catch on. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Like, I think the Japanese have a word for it, right? Kaizen, like s small improvement. That's small incremental. Usually, that's all we do in garments. Yeah. Like, <laughs> all your factories need to know Kaizen. <laughs> it's like making cars or making cars or clothes. Same thing. It's Kaizen. That was innovation. They applied that kind of factory to garment lines. Huh. And made them more efficient. You didn't go the other way? I don't think so. A few things Yeah. went the other way. Yeah. Um, but definitely, I think it came from the... I mean, I could be wrong. Maybe you need to cancel this out if I'm wrong. No, no, Don't no, make no, me look like an idiot. ask you to leave a But I'm pretty sure it went from automotive to, to garments. Nice. Okay. So next thing I want to talk about. Um, thanks for that. I, I think I think it's really fascinating. I could talk about that industry in general for, for all two days. Because, again, as I said, it's, it's fascinating because it's one of the oldest industries in the world. And yet it's so new. But I want to talk about you now, and I don't want to talk about your own like innovation to yourself in the sense of how do you improve yourself to be better suited for your own business in the sense of how do you make sure, let's say, you, how do you become a better decision maker? How do you make sure that you're relevant and you're the right person mm -hmm. for your own business? How are you improving your different kind of skills that you require? You mentioned the CEO of the garment company that was good at managing the business, but not maybe growing. But for the skills that you have your visions for, how, how do you fill your own gaps? Mm -hmm. um, are you a reader? Do you listen to people? Do you talk to people? Do you just do stuff? Like, what's your, what's your style of growing? Yeah, I think um, my whole life, um, I'm, a, I'm a chatterbox. My husband always says, oh, there's a plant. Now it's Roma's best friend. You know, he's like so dry about it. He's like, it's like she can sit next to anything, like an object and they'll be best friends. And uh, I have friends that are constantly like, you know, there's, what is it? Six degrees of separation. Mm -hmm. I'm one of those that has like two, usually with a lot of people I meet. Mm -hmm. um, and it's like, also like, you know, I'm Sindhi, Tamilian, Punjabi. I was born in Chennai, raised in New Jersey. Um, I've lived in Bombay. I've lived in Dubai. And then within my community, within the areas that I grew up, like it is a small, I, I always end up meeting people that like are within, not that, you know, within the, this two degrees, mm -hmm. you can say of separation. Mm -hmm. um, and I pride myself on, on my network and that I always, there was a point in my life where I thought, oh man, I'm just out so much, you know, I'm out so much. There's... I don't have enough time to sit, think it's the whole coming back to, I don't have time for meditation because I just got a full social calendar. Mm -hmm. Now my kids have full social calendars. Mm -hmm. um, you know, now I have your social calendar. So it's, it's just so much all the time. Um, and I used to actually beat myself up over it. 
like this is why you're not getting anything done. It's that same weird imposter vibe, right? That like, this is why I'm not getting anything done. Um, and I've stopped doing that to myself. And I got to say, like, wow, I think my, like ideas and waves of, of things, people, um, I pride myself on the amazing people that I constantly come in contact with. Mm-hmm. And once I changed that kind of negative in my mind to positive, it's become such an amazing skill and I thrive on it. Um, and another EO member, actually, this guy, Ruchir, when I told him, like, I got this job, but I don't know, I'm, it's not for me. Like four months in, I knew it wasn't for me. Um, and he was like, you know what you need to do? Um, when I was kind of transitioning between businesses, you got to go talk to people. Talk to people you've always wanted to talk to, like this podcast. Talk to people and just like fill your cup and just learn something completely different and unique and see what clicks and just keep doing that. And when he told me that, I was like, idiot. The answer was in front of you all along. And it comes so naturally to you. Yeah. And I was like, this this is really what fills my cup. And I mean, I had to get out of it, get do this, chase money, go through all this life experience to 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 hear somebody else tell me exactly what I knew all along. Mm-hmm. So in terms of like, how do, how do I fill my cup? It is literally that. It is every week I make a date with one of my friends. Mm-hmm. And the more dates I make, the more interesting people I meet. And I, love that. I, I, I now put myself out there and I will go ask someone random that I met at, you know, the last yoga class. Okay, I haven't worked out in a while, but when I used to work out, I would take... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Huberman. Yeah, I know. We'll work but, you know, I've met the most random people and, and that fills my cup. I think that's 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 one of the things that that I, I force yeah. myself to do now because I it's very easy to make excuses, right? And say, oh, I don't have time. I've this work, that work, this errand. But... Yeah. I make sure that I, I go to coffee with someone new every two weeks. Yeah, I would agree with that two degrees separation thing you said because I'm like super introvert, not very popular. Yet we've been to the same parties, maybe yeah. J- <laughs> ja- Japanese themed, where people yeah. are getting thrown into the pool. <laughs> uh, no, my last five seconds, I am like, "Hey, Alina, let's sleep." Yeah, <laughs> in the pool. Like I shouldn't have said it out loud. Yes, yeah. sneaked out of that. Did you get thrown in the pool then? No, I, I, I've, I'm. You I learned. keep to, I keep reminding Sahil I can't swim. I kind of can, can't swim. I I, I was still throwing. I can there. swim, but I, I can float. I can't float. I yeah. So I still got the body type. Yeah, like for some reason, my body's denser on the bone level than water is. Yeah, <laughs> I tried to learn swimming. I'm really sick. I can't yeah, swim. <laughs> I can't swim either. But I, I still float. throw <laughs> into the water. Apparently, didn't matter. But I like the fact that you're at least having that self acceptance and self love to know, like, hey, this is me. I'm not a nerd is going to sit by that plant and read a book for like six hours to learn from some guy who's dead now. <laughs> and even when I do that, I make friends with the person next to me I, who's at the coffee shop. <laughs> I can't wait to have you in my book club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am amazing. So I didn't read anything, but I, here's what I think. <laughs> oh, I, so I'm in a book club. And um, these are five women I met randomly. Yeah. And I, 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 can you believe I, of co- I hadn't met any of them before. Yeah. I only knew one person and I'd maybe known her once. And she randomly sent me a message saying, hey, do you want to join a book club? I was like, mm-hmm. 
I guess, you know, I just want to meet new people. Sure. I'll, like, I only did it for that. And now my husband jokes as he's like, you just use this as a monthly excuse to drink with your ladies. I could tell. We've become so close. I will agree with him. And, and my book club, I mean, I got to say, I try to read every book, yeah. but within the first three minutes, they know if I've read the book or not. <laughs> and in fact, in the WhatsApp group, they'll be talking about the book. And then there'll be a random question about like, hey, what should I order on Deliveroo? And I'm like, oh my God, I tried this amazing restaurant. They're like, you, babe, you didn't read the book. You, read you answer about food, but you didn't answer about the book. You definitely haven't read the You're book. online, You're accessible, <laughs> but you had no input about but, the book. Yeah, they love me. <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a good test. I should do that. What <laughs> the as well? Like just, hey, she's not paying attention. I'm getting Maybe better about reading the book, I promise. <laughs> Okay, cool. Uh, we do have to wrap up soon. So I do have so much to get through with you. Maybe we'll have to come back. It's to the library. Yeah. Maybe we should do a monthly podcast. We <laughs> <laughs> can order food. Yeah, and, yeah. can have one of those. You bring your favorite thing in Dubai. Dubai. I bring my favorite thing in Dubai. I don't have, so you're going to hate me. I'm not a foodie. I'm the opposite of food. I don't care. Are you one of those people that's like food sustenance? Yeah. <laughs> It, it, no, I'll go, I'll go a level above. It's, it's an annoyance. It's in the middle of my day and it's, it's unnecessary. Um, if there was a way I could just open this and throw food inside and close the box, I would love that. Well, this is how we're going to become friends. We're going to find the <laughs> one gonna, thing. You're going to turn me into a foodie, aren't you? We're going to take you around Dubai and introduce you to various cuisines and find that one dish. <laughs> well, we'll have to see about that, but that leads me directly into my next segment. Mm -hmm. So I have this rapid fire segment that I do. It's uh, it's not as jarring as the first question I asked you to pick. <laughs> but uh, yeah, as I, as, I, as I start to wrap up, there are so many things I wanted to talk to you about. I want to talk about motivation, stress, and, and uncertainty. I want to talk about all the serial entrepreneurs you know and what makes them that or how do I find them and be around them and maybe invest in them. Or with them as well. Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk about feedback because you mentioned that too. Like you've gotten better at taking feedback and you have impressed yeah. few people at the past job. But alas, we'll have to do around two. Um, there's a bunch more. Let's do the rapid fire. Let's do it. I'm ready. The toughest one at the first. Top three restaurants in Dubai. You can't think about it. You have to answer right away. God. Right now. Uh -huh. Top three. You have to answer okay. at least one. One is, is Kanara. Because someone in one of the EO chats was like, I'm in Bar Dubai, what do I eat? And that's like my favorite restaurant on that side of town. How do you spell it? C-A-N-A-R-A. -A. It's like okay. Mangalorean seafood. It's like raw mango and like the right amount of spice and it's delicious. That's like my favorite kind of cuisine. Um, I think, right now. Okay. yeah, my second one has got to be, I love croissants. So, I mean, I'm always in a hunt for a good croissant. What's your best croissant? So far, I really like the ones from Birch. Okay. So that's like my, you know, every every few weeks I pick up a croissant from Birch. It's like me eating it alone in my car because mm -hmm. my kids will definitely steal mine. Um, and my third favorite, oh man, this is so tough. I really don't know. I can't think. Oh, can't God, think. God, God, God. first one that comes to your mind. I just, I just, it doesn't I, matter what, you, what is your gut say. Oh my God. It's got to be one of those in, in you know, the, the ones in, in DIFC. What's the one? Oh. It's, a, it's, you know, that LPM, that Corinne, that, that, that. I, didn't, I wouldn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't be the last. So it's the same chef, but it's like, you know, he's, he's a popular chef. But what I like about 
in terms of cuisine. Let's do it. Like, I'm, I'm going to change the question back on you. It's always mm-hmm. going to be a first. First is always going to be an Indian cuisine. I think okay. it's very hard to make good Indian food outside my home mm-hmm. or my parents' home or my in-laws' home. Mm-hmm. So if I eat something amazing, that's going to be my favorite food. Okay. Um, second, what did I say a second? Did I give you a second? Croissant, yes. Party. Second is always like it's going to be some baked food. Um, that's savory and sweet. That's my other like go-to kind of meal. And then the third will have to be like French or like in French, Italian. I like to call it modern. Okay. There's usually like five or six ingredients in, in every dish. So there's a bunch of those restaurants, but I mean, LPM and like Corinne, it's very similar menus. Those are like kind of the French restaurants that are more modern and have like two, five ingredients max probably in every dish. It's like all about the tomatoes or the cheese. And that's what I like. I just love your eyes sparkling when you're talking about this. It's just amazing. All I'm thinking about what I'm going to eat after this. <laughs> I know. Uh, second question. If you weren't living in Dubai, where would you want to live? Um, Can't be Jersey or Chennai. I was going to say New York. Um, no one wants to live in Chennai. I'm joking. Except for all my friends in Chennai. You're doing great. Yeah, but it's... My favorite, favorite city in the world has always been New York, but I recently visited New York and it is such a different place than I think I sort of like living there, you romanticize it. But even now you speak to a lot of New Yorkers, my friends that are New Yorkers are like New York or nothing, you know, and I'm like, just, I don't know, once you leave, it's, I don't know, I, I don't feel that bond to it again. Um, but the one place that I think I could always pick up and just live in or move is probably Paris. Mm-hmm. I love the food. I love the art. I'm just... Like, I've always wanted to live there, you know? Yeah. I've always wanted to learn French, so. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm just making a travel list every time I ask this question. <laughs> um, what is a business you wish to start but haven't gotten around to it yet? And I know you've talked about the sustainable clothing yep. thing, but anything outside of that? Anything outside of your usual things that you're doing? Man, that's the one thing I keep coming back to. Um, actually, you know what? What? I haven't stopped thinking about that business we worked on, on in that ex- that training class. What was yours again? On brand. How could you forget? Wait, it was the concierge service. Yes. For telecommunications. Yes. I haven't stopped thinking about it. Because yeah. you know what? I have to call Do because my internet is not working. Yeah. I call them today. One hour. Dude, anything that buys me convenience, please start it. Just do it. One hour. No human tried every freaking alternative which number to press zero to I tried everything I was on the phone for an hour and I still haven't spoken to a human all I want is someone to come help me with my internet because literally my husband and I cannot be on a zoom at the same time no and I was like that's the one business I'm like what's really missing I just want someone to take care of my problem you know there there is a service it's called an executive assistant <laughs> that you can just have but that's another human i just want to do it myself but in some way and then yeah you have yeah, i would just want to be able to talk to a human and then they're a professional no i i want i want whatever the modern version of a butler is yeah <laughs> you know, i want that one person to do the all the other things and you yeah. have to do that thing you know like where that's amazing. why did they go out of fashion yeah right butlers are so necessary and so needed that sounds like such a privilege. It's true. Oh, and the other business, I would 100% start. And I talk about this with my husband all the time. Yeah. And I know there's hundreds of these out there. And now there are these maid businesses that like will also train the maid yeah. and give you a trained maid that can like cook and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, I would love 
to to be able, and then you have these like uber expensive maid services mm-hmm. and they'll find you a maid but you're paying them like eight times of their first salary it's like crazy it's completely yeah. unaffordable yeah. and then you're paying for like like a maid or service or a nanny that's like mm-hmm. super expensive you know yeah. it's like man i don't even I don't need all that. I'm just lucky to have someone in Dubai, you know. We grew up in New Jersey. I did everything myself. I know how to do it. I'm just lazy because I live here now, you know. I just want someone who can not... My last... I had a maid that put uh, salt in my kids' chocolate oats in the morning because she thought it was sugar. I'm like, guys, come on. And the, the dish of... Anyway, I'll stop. I can go on and on about this. Oh, that's all I want to do. I want to be able to train human capital. Um... We have tons of experiences to share, but we'll do it together another time. Yeah. Maybe, maybe over some uh, French food. Yeah. Now that you're convincing me to become a foodie. <laughs> um, any final words for um, our audience? So typically my audience is split between uh, business owners who are, you know, well into their journey or even some on the other side, entrepreneurs, people have never started and they're looking to get into it and they've got this romantic idea of running mm-hmm. a business. Any final words for all kind of business people? Um, that you want to share? Yeah, you know, I think um, the one thing that that I've learned as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, employee in in my journey of working fifteen years, um, is 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 that word ego. It keeps coming up. You know, I think if you can do, a lot of people are doing this now. You know, like you write down, like a gratitude journal. You write down one thing that. You know, you're grateful for yeah. or one thing that you did well. Um, for me, it's that one situation every day where I thought without an ego um, to challenge yourself to continuously work on that part because it seeps in, mm-hmm. you know. And if you're not a meditator like me, you need to keep challenging yourself. So I think it, whether you're um, working or you want to start a business or um, you're you're an entrepreneur and you're a business owner, I think it's important to keep challenging yourself to, to think without ego. Here, here. I totally agree with that. I'm learning and on my journey too, but thanks so much for coming. If I start to summarize this conversation that we had, that would take an hour itself. Yeah. So Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming. This and thank fun. you, EO, for putting this together. Oh yeah, thanks, EO. <laughs> thanks for putting this together. And I'll see you soon. Yeah, see you soon. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. Please do share this episode with someone you think will enjoy it as much as you did. To find out who else will be coming on or to recommend someone I should talk to, please follow my Instagram. It's at my first business podcast or go to the website myfirstbusinesspodcast.com. And that's all, folks. 